0: The year is 1602. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year.
1: my marvelous year the comic book reading club where we go through the best of marvel comics from its origins to today today i'm joined by charlotte the comic book rainbow belt and charlotte i have something to tell you and ask you baby did just stole zacky from the comic book master on his visit to cbh baby dave rizzed up zacky and they started dating they're so in love (laughs) baby dave got zacky's name tattooed on his arm is baby dave the new comic book master or is zacky just using him for clout charlotte are you using chat GPT? What is this? <laughs> Wait, this was AI generated, right? Like, there's no way you wrote that. It does so sound like so some is AI Is Baby slang. Dave the new comic book master, or is Zacky just using him for clout?
2: Is Baby Dave the new coming book ra- I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like it, to the question, is Zach using anyone for clout, I feel like the, the answer is always going to be yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like, <laughs> it's very by default. Rude. Obvious yes. <laughs> what do you mean by
1: that, That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> Very rude. Okay, go on, go on. I'm listening. Oh, do I, do I
2: have to have more arguments? <laughs> Zach zoomer no, taunts
1: because... backfired so badly here I know. into a roasting of him. Like This is like three or four I... episodes in a row I've recorded that the intro is an insult directly to me.
0: Three or four? <laughs> We've been doing it for four years. Charlotte like,
1: <laughs> on on extra issues. Charlotte called me a gelatinous cube as her intro last time. Oh right, That's <laughs> That's yeah, pretty great. With
0: glasses. I did. Uh, I did actually read an article, an explainer, explaining mm-hmm. all of what you just said. Yeah, and of I now. So now I totally.
1: Oh, do if you it. haven't actually seen the TikTok, you have to go see it. It's surreal. It's incredible. I'm gonna watch it a hundred times more. Oh, I so just want to go perfect. on record here okay. as well
0: as saying. The fact that there is a child out there, <laughs> known as Baby Gronk, mm-hmm. makes me incredibly happy. Despite the fact that his dad has big child actor vibes, oh, uh, in all the in all the worst ways. There's a whole little the ecosystem fact that I'm supposed these, to be the Zoomer and yeah. I have
2: no idea what you're talking about. So I know that's the sort of part. Oh, yeah, Charlotte, keep
1: up. We're all you know, we're all plugged <laughs> oh, into this. God. Well, I this, I this is zooming. <laughs> this is one of those things that like this is what mainstream TikTok culture is like. I think, but it just kind of leaked. Out of containment and you know into the like wider yeah, Twitterverse, yeah. <laughs> and everyone on Twitter was like, "Oh my god, what?" Is it is very funny that that whole thing.
0: Anyway, I, I like to. Uh, what is in- this podcast about? Yeah, Jack? I'd like to include I'm things in this podcast
1: that make it very clear exactly what week <laughs> the podcast <Yep. laughs> came out. We're uh, we're finishing up 2003 Marvel comics this week. We're talking Marvel 1602, and we're talking Brian Michael Bendis's Dared. <laughs> daredevil alias <laughs> um and alias is not available on marvel unlimited and it ran much longer than 2000 just 2003 it ran for 28 issues so over at least three years uh but we read uh i actually don't i think it's one through nine and then 24 through 28 as uh, part of today's selection but i just read the whole thing did both of you Re- do the same really thing? it was a, a yeah, read, it,
0: read as yeah. much as you want to recommendation um I, I would recommend reading it all. I think it's a very interesting work. But uh, but yeah, I I actually read the I reread the first volume and the last volume, and I, yeah, I read okay. all of it plenty before. Um, actually, can, yeah that that's <laughs> that that's actually
1: kind of a decent way of kind of framing where I sit with this, which is that I was not planning on reading all of it if I didn't feel like I really wanted to. Right, I didn't feel like obligated to it to yeah. read everything, and I did. I read everything, and I'm not like blown away by it but i liked it enough that i did want to read the whole thing before we uh jump into talking about it if you want to support the show you can go to my marvelous year on or patreon.com slash my marvelous year you can give us a review on apple podcasts that's always appreciated um some benefits you can get on patreon are access to our slack channel access to the master spreadsheet for both this show and our sideshow extra issues and you get six months early access to extra issues um charlotte and i right now are about to start our fantagraphics series on that uh show and we're covering love and rockets for our first episode yeah um yeah okay so do you want to talk 1602 first or alias we don't just kind of yeah let's do 1602 get that out of the way i think that's going to be the smaller discussion
0: yeah so so marvel 1602 was demanded but and that's one of the other benefits of patreon is you can go on the slack and bully me into including (laughs) a full-on maxi series written by neil gaiman with art by andy kubert that i had i did not want to include it but i felt like well are people going to want me to so i i made the mistake of asking the question and everyone everyone demanded that this be included uh in the in the club so that's why it's here um all eight issues and again like this is neil gaiman's first to my knowledge marvel work um it we talked about this on the extra issues miracle man episode actually but this book was written at least in part, and, and Neil Gaiman is the one himself who, who cheekily sort of admitted this, to fund the lawsuits over Miracleman that Gaiman and Todd McFarlane were in the midst of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, it's very much, I'll take That's this funny. paycheck and yeah. and fight a fellow comics creator, or maybe the Angela style. Miracleman, Angela, I don't know. They've had a, a handful of lawsuits. Um, anyway, I did not want to reread this, not because I hate it, but because I read it once, and I don't remember having really any affinity for it. I remember mm-hmm. thinking it was very fine. I think my the thing about Marvel 1602 is the premise is it's what if the Marvel Universe characters were uh, around in Elizabethan England in 1602. And, and you then do hate
2: of, the British, so that's part of why
0: you hate this. Like and just and the list, idea just of the Marvel characters being British. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well. Okay, if we want to be honest <laughs> with ourselves <laughs> about uh, hatred, no, no, no. I I have nothing. Listen, I've watched a lot of Doctor Who. Um, I, I watched the first two seasons. Of I can't Church. hate the British. Some of my favorite TV is Doctor Who. I think I'm famously pro-Brit. Uh, and this and this series does make its way to the shores of America as well. So how could, how could that be the reason? Right. Um. It's just it's to me the first go around. It felt like a just a really overextended what if, you know, it's the kind of thing where like, okay, we're kind of doing a what if alternate reality, um, playing it very serious and very straight. Right. And Gaiman is, is, you know, like heavily aware and researched of the time period, but it's also just like, okay, but what's the hook. And I think on the second go around, I kind of found it actually. Um, and I don't love it still. But uh, I think I actually found the reason this is at least worth reading. Oh. Uh, Charlotte and Zach, what do both of you think?
2: Charlotte, I read this, like, a while ago. And I, I don't even think I'd read everything of it because I didn't remember anything of the, I mean, I guess, non-1602 stuff. The stuff trying to tie to the wider Marvel multiverse and, like, modern Marvel. Um, I thought it was just like just a what if in that it was contained to to the sixteen oh two stuff. Um, so I, I'd probably read like maybe the first two or three issues uh, a few years back. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. First of all, I think my favorite things about my favorite thing about this is the covers. I love the covers, and they're so much cooler than the rest of the comic. Yeah, <laughs> which feels mean, but like yeah, the the, co- the covers are awesome.
0: Well, and they're by. They're not by the series artist. Uh, no. shoot, I don't have the credit in front of me. I can't remember who it is, but Ooh, whoever awesome. does the covers is not Andy Kubert. Um, but they do a really good job.
2: No, yeah. Scott uh, McCowan. There's... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the, the covers are awesome. I think, yeah, I think it's like very competent comic. It lo- it looks really good. It, it, it manages to fit the... M- the marvel universe characters with like real historical figures and like just political dynamics of uh, of uh, 1602 europe in a way that doesn't feel jarring which is honestly surprisingly impressive yeah you know that like he may uh, manages to make this real historical historical figure feel like part of the marvel universe or at least this version of the marvel universe and the interactions between like the queen of england and nick fury and dog strange feel like very natural uh, I think that's like very well done outside of that yeah I guess I did I never found like like that one hook that was like okay I get what why this series exists I get why why the the answer to the question what what if Marvel characters in 1602 is interesting uh-huh. um, for the most part I didn't find that there are some like character ideas like um, applying Marvel characters to 1602 that I felt were interesting. I think my favorite might be Thor I really like the idea of what they do with here with Thor. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I guess I never find that hook that was like, oh yeah, I I get why this exists. I get I get what this is, why this is a good idea. Outside of like you said, just a uh, fun overextended well, that,
1: uh, what if. That's thing. enough. I don't know. Like I, f- I feel kind of crazy where I'm the one being like this comic's just like a good time. That is kind of enough here. <laughs> I think like Gaiman is yeah, a competent so. enough writer. That is it a he does good time? R- really good world building. I think, like, he just understands he can do character dynamics, the characters, like, it's just fun listening to them talk to one another, right? Like, he writes good dialogue, very, like, I don't know if it's accurate, but it feels, you know, very, like, lived in this world. And, like, it is fan service, for sure, but I think it is, like, doesn't feel like the most, like, pandering fan service. And when the ways that it is, it feels like, yeah, it feels fun and creative and fresh in ways that we haven't seen I, I do think the plot itself, the main plot, especially towards the back half, becomes less, like, of a driving force and feels like a little bit, I don't know, kind of a, a weight around the comic's neck. Uh, by the end, like, and especially yeah. by the end, trying to tie it into, like, modern Marvel continuity, that stuff started to feel a little tiresome to me. But besides that, like, I don't know, I had a blast with this. I think it looks good. I think the characters are fun. I think the world feels real, which is something that, like all these what-if alternate universes always kind of have a hard time with is making it feel like like it has enough time to do that which is nice like eight issues is enough time to really like settle into it and it's not like it's something i feel with exiles is often we don't have enough time to like settle into a world so i actually have an idea of what like this new world feels like so um yeah i i don't know i think this is great uh i think andy cooper does a great job i think no Gaiman does a good job um I think it's interesting that Gaiman sticks to, like, 60s Marvel only. I don't really know what that's about, but um, this is clearly, like... Oh, in the
2: characters that I used, I mean, yeah. There's
1: nothing here that's not, like, not from 1962, 1963 in the comics. All the
0: foundational players, right? Yeah,
1: just, like, the original... Like, you could take issues one through four of the big series in the in 63 and that's basically I, <laughs> all that's referenced here um,
2: i actually thought uh what's her name virginia virginia dare the the kid that's in this yeah, i thought she alpha was Flight? snowbird from alpha flights <laughs> yeah. but she's not at all yeah you know, i know just coincidence.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah totally i, I had the same yeah. thought i was like well that's weird he did only 62 like the you know the og characters and then he did one alpha Flight character she's but
0: very he, like yeah. she has
2: a lot of things in common with snowbird yeah and like, but, totally yeah Nope.
0: If Gaiman had made a point of being like the only Marvel comic after 1963 worth my time. (laughs) was Alpha Flight, oh man, Zach, you would, have, you would have been able to just bludgeon me with that for all time. Uh, fortunately, that's not what happened yeah. here. I, I do want to double down on what you said there, Zach, which is, I mean, it's not just competent. Like, Gaiman's flipping excellent. I mean, so I, yeah. in in preparation for not wanting to read this, I read everything <laughs> else Neil Gaiman has ever done, yeah. basically, you know? And so, like, I've been reading all the comic adaptations that, that Dark Horse has released, and there's some just wildly amazing stuff in there. I just read last night... A retelling of Snow White that Gaiman did with Colleen Duran. Um, I think Ooh. it's like Snow Glass Apple or something like that. It is excellent. It is so flipping good. And there's a ton of stuff like that. Obviously, not to mention you know Sandman. We we have like let's give let's give the actual bibliography credits here in terms of yeah Neil Gaiman, writer of Sandman, my second favorite comic book of all time. Um, he had just finished American Gods in 2001, or that had been released in 2001. So this is two years after that. Um, so like rockstar literary figure coming in and yeah, and doing sure. this book and not just rockstar literary figure but like absolutely understands and devotes comics so despite the cynicism of i did this to fund a lawsuit gaiman is fully invested in in all of the of making this feel real right yeah. and making this feel like these characters are in 1602 and some of it's a little cheeky and kind of you know like peter parker being his name and just you know the the fantastic being spelled with a k um but there's that is applied to literally everything to the point where it's like okay this is just the hook line and sinker diving into how were things written in the 1600s um and the Andy cooper does a really nice job i mean cooper's kind of the go to here for prestige series he also does origins with um with paul jenkins you know the wolverine Origins series yeah which isn't and a good cover but it looks we, good. D- we don't well i mean i yeah i don't <laughs> i don't like the story and That's kind of the problem I have here too. But like, those are nice looking comics. Uh, the yeah. problem is not uh, the visuals don't live up to the to the yeah. uh, you know the ambition. Yeah, it's the only um, yeah. So the ambition here is great. Gaming is great. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of things you can criticize, but definitely an author that I really really enjoy. Uh, 1602 is just incredibly boring. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the problem <laughs> with 1602 is the the actual plot mechanics and the actual what is happening. <clears throat> is incredibly boring. Uh the the once you kind of get past the how are they going to present this character side of things, I think seeing them exist in this alternate reality is not to me interesting. I think it starts to get interesting once Gaiman gets weirder with it. Um so that kind of happens as this book progresses and obviously spoilers will follow for everything we discuss here today. Um once so the kind of the the central character that this revolves around, it's maybe one of the book's most concerning elements. I well, don't know how you. Bo- here's the is, thing: is, is Rojas, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Which, Which is okay. we have Did... to we have to talk about Rojas.
1: I, I've spent <laughs> so much time with this comic, being like, how do I say that Rojas? Roja? Who is this? Rojas. Is this... You could say
0: Rojas. Uh, you could say Rajas. I'm going supposed Rojas. to sound like Rogers, right? And then Rojas. I, Rojas. I was yeah.
1: like, what is this standing in for? I'm like, because I think maybe he's a Thor. Like stand in... Oh, that's and funny. And then I was like, <laughs> "Oh, yeah, that's weird." Because like I knew he was Captain Cat from the
2: beginning, from having read this yeah, or like, I, like having seen of it. So yeah. I never had that, like just question in my mind. I read this,
0: but one, he's I was like, also yeah, I guess I don't remember it. he's yeah. also a very white Native American. Yeah, which yeah. they <laughs> comment on, right? It is not like yes, you're not. It is to not know ignored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is still a choice that is made, and that in and of itself, I think, is a thing that probably a lot of fans today. Like like if if this book's gonna get brought up on Twitter, it's probably to make fun of Steve Rogers playing a Native American. Uh well, and the problems what?
1: with that. To T- here's the thing. Which is not a good six, way to judge a book. I'm 16- just saying to
0: walked with Captain America
1: being a Native American so that Jeff Loeb's I think Ultimates three could run <laughs> with Captain America secretly being Black Panther. Black Panther, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. Steve Rodger, yeah. 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 Sim- similar energy, okay. Similar no, energy. that's way worse. It's not even close. Like that one's so yeah. much worse than this.
0: Yeah, I would take <laughs> <say> Game <laughs> and Loeb. Pretty, pretty comparable. Yeah. <laughs> pretty comparable. Uh, yeah. But um, so so that's there. But the Rogers story is actually you know it's the center really around everything because he comes from a future where America has disintegrated and dissolved and its heroes have grown old and been arrested and and America has fallen, right? It's no longer an America that Steve Rogers believes in. So he has come back through no real control of his own, but he now finds himself at the dawn of a new civilization um, of a new country with the opportunity to like try to help them get it right. So yeah, that's, that's, the, that's, that's where we really get the weird comic book – Alt reality stuff where I'm like that story to me is actually interesting because that sets up the opportunity to interrogate and analyze like, oh, well, what should change and what would you do differently here in the yeah. early 1600s? Right. And that's where you look at the timeline and you look at this and you're like, OK, like, how about like the New York Times, uh, you know, 1610 project? Right. Um, or is 1608, 1619, excuse me, 1619 project. Um, and it's like, OK, like this can be in a dialogue. With actual, you know, problems of American foundations, the book isn't especially. <laughs> no, you know? it's pretty, But it it's at least filthy. opens the yeah. door to that. Uh, that, to me, is what makes 1602 potentially interesting. Uh, is the little ways that it plays with that, but it's it's all kind of wrapped up and and overshadowed by, you know, comic booky cosmic forces and supernatural made up stuff that. Uh, you know that that can kind of reset everything and send everyone back, while simultaneously somehow keeping this universe alive because they also want to do spinoffs <laughs> later. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, my my core comment stands. Like, it's an incredibly boring story. It's
1: not incredibly boring. <laughs> that is way it is. overselling it. Like, I I think I think there's enough to carry you through a good chunk of this comic just in like the I don't know the set the intrigue between like the political intrigue is way more interesting to me than the like. The Marvel stuff at the end, you know, like the <clears throat> Queen Elizabeth and King James and Von Doom, the handsome, uh, all like clashing against each other as like political forces. I think that stuff works great. That's the stuff that like really engaged me plot wise. And then once you kind of yeah. get away from that, which it, it sticks around, but like it becomes a little bit more about like, you know, the dongle uh that they're all chasing. And that stuff kind of bores me a bit.
2: But I do think there are like good pieces of characterization of like the the Marvel characters. I the the Fantastic Four being trapped in in Doom's palace and each having their own like eternal punishment, which is something we had we saw in um, uh, uh, the recent uh, Fantastic Four we're currently reading. Mark I Wade, can't the name of yeah, Mark Wade's uh, Fantastic Four run. Yeah, but like here, I, I think like he, Reed being in the dungeon and Victor going to talk to him to like get some information and help him do stuff. What, during the conversations, uh, like, refund. Is Sue, like, trapped in Victor's bedroom? Or did I misread that? Is that a thing? I don't remember. Uh-uh. I don't know. I, th- I thought I saw her, like... Because there's a big column of, like, weird transparent glass or something in his be- be- bedroom. Oh, and yeah, that's definitely. where she explodes out of. So I that's kind of a weird thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ben being, like, trapped in concrete in stone and not being like just being eternally uh not being able to move that's like horrifying that's like some mm-hmm. really good yeah. uh really yeah. good punishment for the devil is very really fun in this i like him confronting um james the king james of scotland mm-hmm.
1: that's a really f- it, good Daredevil scene. him being yeah. a traveling bard is really fun yeah like kind of leans into his like mike murdoch swagger side a little bit yeah, yeah. Th- that's really murdoch? fun. i miss that guy
0: don't we all? Ooh, yeah. Don't we all? Coming, Wait till about 2019. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Okay. Are there any favorite or or I don't know why this is in here choices in terms of any of the characterizations and their 1602 transformation? Um, I don't like what is done with Magneto as the Spanish Inquisitor hunting the quote unquote witch breed, which are mutants of this society. But it, I see where it's coming from. I'm not, like, bothered by it, per se. Mm. Um, I just, I don't know, establishing the character that way uh, as an antagonist to, you know, the Professor X and the mutants of the world, um, I don't know, it just felt like kind of an odd choice. But uh, I don't know, otherwise, everything's kind of... I mean,
1: that's that's kind of something I appreciated is that
0: it didn't feel like the obvious choice with a lot of stuff. Yeah.
1: And, like, I like that yeah. sometimes it felt like an odd choice. Like, Peter Parker is Nick Fury's assistant here. Like, that's... Yeah thought a thing and he doesn't even have powers throughout this series right like so i yeah i kind of liked that uh angle of things uh the only thing that i thought was particularly dumb is that the x-men basically just have their silver age costumes uh yeah they- <laughs> <few> weird design <laughs> choice very very it's supposed to be like you know boiled leathers uh yeah but it looks pretty bad <laughs> i think that that's bad design but besides that no all good all good I... great great series loved it number
0: one series <laughs> we've ever read number one wow <laughs> oh, the world's boy. biggest I... 1602 fan
2: yeah i quickly mentioned this earlier i like <clears throat> thor in this because through, throughout the the story there's like a mysterious old man that's carrying some kind of uh, mysterious artifacts mm-hmm. and i assume it was the ancient one because he's supposed to be tied to the strength and stuff he kind of looks like the ancient one and no, it's donald blake who has the freaking thor cane and like he's a very religious uh, christian guy who's like working with the Knights Templars of Jerusalem and everything like a crusader kind of uh, kind of guy and like that's the the moment where he transforms to Thor and then back into his original form and like the idea of that's a scene and that's just that's a scene and that's completely destroying his worldview and like if I do it again now knowing what it means like this is the greatest scene I can think of like that's I don't know, that's a, that's, a fun, that's a fun idea for Thor in, uh, in 1602. I don't know the actual Thor part of it isn't that he's just Thor, basically. But like the that duality between this version of Donald Blake and Thor is, uh, is an interesting idea to me.
0: I do think it's interesting, too, how Gaiman is tapping into something that a lot of writers are actually going to want to play with throughout the 2000s, which is the idea that Marvel heroes and sort of ages of heroes begin much earlier than the Stan and Jack foundations. Um, this is something without spoiling anything that Jason Aaron really concentrates on in his Avengers run. I would say too much does he. less satisfying effect than Gaiman does here. Um, but the idea of like hundreds, if not thousands of year old legacy is definitely something that I think a lot of writers are going to want to play with. Uh, I think Gaiman, you know, and that's where it's kind of, it, he straddles that line between like, Okay, it feels like just kind of a what if, but I think it's kind of it's a little too straightforward as a what if. So let's make it actually sort of connected to continuity and and the connect because like bringing in Uatu for example to me felt like that actually felt like too far. Yeah, you know, that was kind where of Uatu's dumb. I'll, like I'll we have before. to do yeah. the sixteen oh two to save the universe, <laughs> yeah. and it's like that yeah. it just doesn't feel like that kind of book. Like it's 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 so out of place, and it's so I never felt that that tension, you know. Or that urgency. Mm. Um, I think the Rajas, Rojas, travel and time was enough for me, frankly. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I, I And I think, think it
2: hurts it feeling like its own universe. Like its whole entire thing. Yeah. Uh, by trying to attach it to too much. Because I think where this book worked the most for me was the moments when I felt like it was kind of an ultimate thing. Like, oftentimes, it just... The main other marvel book reminded me of was ultimate and the all the whole ultimate line and the idea for that line That's was just like rebuilding a new marvel universe in the 2000s and having it play by its own rules and being small enough then the characters all even their individual stories are all intertwined way more easily um like you're telling the story of an entire universe in one book uh, which is a Earth thing the Ultimate Universe did often, and I th- I think also the kind of the interesting thing with this is like the idea that when you're creating a Marvel a new Marvel Universe in the two thousands, mutants have to be the main problem or mm. the main the the center of the Marvel Universe is the question of mutants. And the emergence of mutants and how that's being received. Because that's the same thing both in here and in Ultimates, where Magneto is the main bad guy of the Ultimate universe. Um, yeah, I, just, like, I don't a... even really have a conclusion to this, but just I feel like that was interesting that in the 2000s, that was the way you did a new Marvel universe. Yeah. Where you gave your sensor to the Marvel universe.
0: That does really highlight sort of the time tested, bulletproof, like. Yeah, just like time tested nature of the mutant metaphor. <laughs> where yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, you can apply that to any period throughout history, you know, and insert marginalized group being hunted here, and mutants kind of work for that story, um, which is obviously a bummer in terms of the nature of human history. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, 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 Again, I think it's really well executed. I just think it's an absolute slog. Um, oh, my God.
2: It's not and... a slog, you're <laughs> out of your mind. That's very... <laughs> way meaner than it deserves to be. <laughs> a slog. Oh
1: my god.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's strong. It's just not very flashy uh, at any time, but yeah, it's I think it's I think it's strong.
0: tremendously overrated because of the fact that it's Neil Flipping Gaiman. Is it overrated? Um, I don't hear people talk yeah, about this. Yeah. Huge. Hugely. Series ever, hugely. Really. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I think, I don't um yeah. I I yeah, I mean I
1: just like it's not All right. So this whole thing is Dave just clapping back at the haters. That's what this is about.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If if Neil would answer my emails uh-huh. and come and have a nice little interview with me, I would have been singing his praises. That's all it comes down to. That's all it comes down to. If a creator talks to me once, I'll compliment their works until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's not no, I just alias. yeah, we got We gotta get on. The list. There's too much time on.
1: <laughs>
0: let's let's talk about Elizabethan history and what what Gaiman got right and what he didn't. Um. No, I'm kidding. Let's talk alias. Alias <laughs> by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gaydos. Marvel Max. This is the first Marvel Max book we have talking about in the My Marvel Seer Club. Again, a big part of that is... Well, I guess there's two parts to that. One, the books aren't on Marvel Unlimited and never will be because it will... I, I think the main reason I've heard is that like the app would then have to be like rated mature or I don't whatever. I think that's and, true. Uh, like, is, is the... Like, that's the rumor, I should say. I haven't like the HBO this,
1: yeah. app marked as mature or Netflix marked as mature,
0: right? Well, because there is no have... HBO app; it's just Max, which is oh, ironic because we're yeah. talking about Marvel <laughs> Max now. <laughs> Maybe the Max comics are on Max. Have we considered that? I haven't looked.
1: Right. Ooh, someone should get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. I don't.
0: I'm looking at the. I, it's it's rated teen.
1: <laughs> the Max uh, app is rated teen. Yeah, no, I don't. Some
0: stuff that's not for teens on there. Well, I would say. I would say Marvel Max comics are definitely more dangerous and yeah. have oh, more yeah. adult content than anything. It's probably Marvel being TV. squeamish than anything else. I, bet. I no, bet there's some restriction. I I think. I don't think. it's I just mean, I don't that. know if you've
2: noticed, but they they say the the F word. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, so that's can we, a word. Let's
1: talk about the that. F word. <laughs> can, can the uh, <laughs> the best part about this uh, is the the what is it the, the forward
0: of the trade paperback oh yeah well hang written... on just let me just before you do that just let me say to people marvel max is, oh, yeah, is yeah marvel's explicit content line okay it is the adult mature line where they can swear and characters can have sex and it is intentionally it is labeled with a big explicit content tag okay not for kids all right please continue
1: the forward the introduction to the trade paperback and i'm gonna cuss here everybody so cover your little brother's ear <gasps> introduction fuck I'm sorry, I know I may have startled some of you or even offended you. I didn't mean to upset you, but it's quite remarkable how a simple word, a four letter word, can bring such a reaction. Or in the case of the book you're holding, a revolution. <laughs> and it's just Jeff Loeb uh writing an introduction being like, This changes everything for Marvel. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's quite actually the rest of the introduction to his credit is actually kind of fine, but starting out with that is very embarrassing. I mean revolution
0: um, takes it uh several thousand steps too far. <laughs> i that that's, that's yeah. one of the
1: the big questions I wanted to ask right away is and i I think actually Dave, you kind of spurred this on in our chat, but like, is this being a max book? does it add anything to this comic?
0: yeah, yeah, so that's so that's kind of what I was getting at is okay, these books aren't available if they were available. We would still not be reading that much in Marvel Max, <laughs> because yeah, generally speaking, creators don't quite know what to do with the lines. You know, Punisher, the the books right? that get talked yeah. about are Alias, Punisher War Journal by by Ennis, um, and then like uh, like the Nick Fury stuff that that Garth Ennis is. So basically, Ennis stuff. Um, maybe Deadpool stuff because it's drawn by Kyle Baker. But anyway, um, yes, it is additive here. It is actually uh, Jessica Jones. You get to see her on the toilet creation. Debu- well, right. That's is that... I, is- if that's what you're... I'm assuming that's what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. It no, is no. additive. I, when, I said, <laughs> when I said additive, I meant scenes on the toilet. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> if we have at least one of those, it has added something to the Marvel Universe. Jessica Jones is a new character creation by Brian Menace and Michael Gatos. Um, she is amazing and, and a breath of fresh air. And also, like, you don't get other Marvel characters who get to act like this, who get to swear like this, who get to be as crass as this. Yeah. Um, Anywhere else because of the nature of the history of the Comics Code Authority and the, the audiences and kind of just the style of Marvel storytelling. So it feels genuinely distinct compared to everything around it. Uh, it feels, you know, like an indie book would be because it's not playing by the rules that have previously been established for Marvel Comics. Um, and again, it's not just because there, there's moments like we talked about this jokingly, but like Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3 a movie we all liked. Peter Quill drops an F-bomb at the end of that movie. Um, Right? It adds nothing. It adds zero. It does not effectively do anything. It's a little funny. I don't know. (laughs) It made me laugh. Maybe a minor minor (laughs) bit of comedy. Maybe. Um, I don't think it adds anything. And I think it's totally inconsistent. With Jessica Jones, it is the like it is like what was the point of her character you know um and it it is incredibly consistent throughout and it actually gives you a sense of who she is so i think in that way it actually does matter and the, the reason this really stands out is because this character has so much success and because alias is critically acclaimed and fans like it and people like jessica jones jessica jones has a, a life beyond marvel max she transitions to earth one, where she's already on earth 616 right but she transitions to the non-explicit continuity and the character's edges are sanded down from there because she can't keep swearing, right? And and has to get sort of bleeped out and and sanded down, and you actually get the PG version of this character um, proceeding forward, and it's not as good. Uh, So I'm just going to move my soapbox out of the way. Uh, It actually does make a difference here in Marvel Max, and none of that would matter. None of that would matter at all if this wasn't the most creatively ambitious work Bendis has ever done at Marvel. Um, whether or not it succeeds huh. in every capacity is besides the point. It is yeah. the most creatively ambitious. You think of anything so? He I do I, I mean, I just think Daredevil is. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. How is, I how is, that, is that more? No, pretty... no, no, no. Let me let me be clear. I don't necessarily know that it's better. Uh-huh. Okay, no, anymore. I don't. like I like done. reading yeah. probably the Daredevil run a bit more at this point in my life. Um, when I am talking creative ambition, I am talking taking swings. I'm talking trying things in the medium of comics that can't be done other places. Daredevil doesn't do a heck of a lot of that. You know, its tone and its presence with Alex Maleev is set early and it continues in the tradition of Frank Miller from there, Mm -hmm. right? But, and, and there are storytelling swings, there are plot mechanisms that create very good Daredevil fiction, but there is not meta commentary there is not okay well we're we not put issues a drawn <laughs> by mark bagley where we we yeah. have jessica jones in her history there is not again possibly very flawed but existent commentary on female superheroes frankly in the world universe um i think it's the most creatively ambitious thing Bendis does at okay. marvel okay it doesn't <laughs> mean it's the most successful okay i i
1: totally disagree about the 18 plus thing i think it is useless <laughs> in here so i'm i'm firmly on the other side i think the swearing ads i think the swearing adds extremely little to this i think besides the fact that i think bendis doesn't have an ear for it in the same way that uh, a lot of like indie writers do
0: nobody I, loves criticizing bendis's most a, I uh, think he... celebrated Comics writing.
1: Coming back to this, like crime writer, like that he's this like star crime writer. I don't think he's got. No, no. This is
0: like this is his reputation. I'm not. I'm not not even defending it. I'm just saying, like, no. Okay. There's a lot that he's great
1: at, and I actually, I'm not even really criticizing, like that his dialogue doesn't work. But I think like the gritty swearing of it all, I think doesn't add that much. And I think the content matter that he gets into could be done in a mainline Marvel book. In almost, I think, in some instances, would be better with a little bit of restraint and actually would hit harder. So, like, for example, it's an arc that we didn't read, or that's not in the, the main list, but he, Jessica Jones goes to um, investigate a missing girl in a small town. And the mother is telling, tells Jessica Jones immediately, like, that I think my husband did it because he's always been, like, leering at our daughter. And Jessica Jones goes to his house and he immediately is, like... Uh, Oh yeah, I didn't my daughter. I don't want to my daughter, and like he just goes on this rant about you know not wanting to have fuck his daughter. Um, like the the that all would have been better <laughs> as an underlying simmering thing than Bendis just being able to come out and say it out loud. Like I think him just explicitly putting everything as text uh, when it comes to like mature themes. I think like he he doesn't sell it very well. I think Jessica Jones like her sexuality generally is handled pretty sloppily here and i think actually like hinting at it would be better than trying to just like explicitly say it out loud that like damn i hate being a slut like (laughs) which is like the basically what the words that zach i say that hourly. i know i know and i hate it so okay I i don't really buy that it's not a huge complaint for me i'm not necessarily reading this like hating that it is eighteen plus. I just don't think it's particularly additive, and I don't think there's anything that he's doing here that he couldn't do in a mainline book. I don't think like, the fact that she gets to swear makes her that particularly unique. That that and kind I of segues just- into my next Jessica Jones
0: point, which well, is: Hang on, hang on. Yeah, let's okay, let's okay. continue the the yeah, max Charlotte. I want to because I went too far. Charlotte, please comment on that. I mean, yeah. I just
2: f- to me the the swearing stuff and everything tied to that just felt. As often as it worked, it felt juvenile, kind of to me, often.
1: Sometimes it feels like he doesn't actually know how to swear. It feels like a 12-year-old who's just figuring it out. So, like, Rick Jones at one point says, uh, Yeah, I married a crazy woman. Excuse f***ing me. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever said it like that. (laughs) It's like
2: a lot of the adult characters are swearing like high schoolers. Often. yeah yeah sure like he do you think some well, of that is the nature of the work
0: and what dangerous. you expect here you know because maybe for, like, like rick jones you have read comics with lots of rick jones and just that you know it is inherently kind of teenage you know okay yeah <laughs> can i can i park in rick jones for a second
1: um maybe <laughs> for the, <laughs> the rest of the podcast <laughs> I, th- I think i think maybe that's a generous reading to say that that's intentional but maybe um and that's just one example. That's actually not... Generally, it doesn't sound like that that bad. Um, Rick Jones, there's two details. And it's a fake Rick Jones. We find out it's not actually the real Rick Jones. But there's two details that made me laugh so hard. One, this Rick Jones uh, is feels like he's being chased by the, uh, the Kree and the scrolls. And Jessica Jones is like, but you're still playing guitar on stage every night. And he was just like, if I can't play my guitar, they've won, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a real Rick Jones moment. And then the other thing bendis does is he puts these pages of rick jones's um biography memoirs called sidekick <laughs> in the book and love that. One, one of them is um rick jones telling a story about how in high school a guy was in love with his girlfriend and then she dumped him and then his next girlfriend he slowly just kept having her like change her appearance and mannerisms to like match his first girlfriend and then he was like, "That's what Captain America is doing to me." <laughs> that, what one? That's just vertigo, like Bendis. Like he's just describing vertigo. But the ca- idea that Captain America would like vertigo Rick Jones is so funny. Yeah. I'm just like, do you mind? Like, it, ah, this is silly, but can you part your hair? just on the left now because i just i'm really used to seeing my sidekick have a, a hair part on the left that would it's be a really... funny
0: reading of that moment too because the stan the stan jack version is you know rick's like let me try on this costume that'll cheer jack uh cap up yeah but then the reading of it being like yeah i bet cap asked him to do that <laughs> Like that's,
1: that's it was a just like, irritating. can you tuck that in? I'm just, you know, I think it would look better if you tucked the shirt in and like, <laughs> yeah, let, let me lace the boots just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah go, Going through and trying to just change him into Bucky is really funny. Okay, that that's just. I just wanted. I had some Rick Jones notes. I need to hit <laughs> <laughs> as the
2: as the, the main Rick Jones experts in the field. they had you to just like correct the <laughs> <laughs> characterization of Rick Jones in this mm-hmm. in this comic. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. So here's the thing also, is that we run across some, like, classic Marvel characters, the Avengers, the Defenders, uh, some JJJs, some of those guys, um, and because, like, Jess just keeps cussing and swearing and saying f*** and everything, but, like, none of the other Avengers, like, classic Avengers do that, except, like, for Carol, maybe? Um, so it feels so, kind of yeah. jarring in that, like it feels like they're in two different comics inside the comic, because like the Avengers and the Defenders are still behaving like they're in their own PG comics. I don't uh, think really that's PG. an accident.
0: I I don't. I mean, I think that's pretty intentional. Um, it, it is as the series progresses, especially yeah. like Bendis is You know, he's kind of growing in power, <laughs> as it happens yeah. too. You know, and like you know, Ultimate Spider-Man is taken off and. Uh, daredevil's doing well and he's on the road to new avengers and it's like you know early on it kind of starts out like okay the max line is kind of its own thing and we'll have unique versions of these characters and then it kind of very quickly and clearly becomes like no like he's just writing this character into the marvel universe that we know um i'm i mean listen i think i disagree with with kind of the takes here but i i do agree in the sense that like if cap was like if bendis leaned into being like um oh well it's it's max so i'm gonna have everyone talk like this you know when we had like Catholics like, swearing at jessica jones i'd be like okay yeah like, that just, would that we've would. gotten uh, a little trigger yeah. happy here with the use I
1: agree yeah i agree i agree with that okay um mm, well okay let me get let me get some praise out of the way before i critique more i think bendis here and everywhere and i kind of want just like a general bendis statement he is really 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 good at plot mechanics and at like pacing and moving the story forward and never being boring and like even when i am
0: like Like um, 1602
1: 1602 he wasn't involved in 1602 what's that mean oh zach oh oh oh, you're making fun of that one for not having (laughs) an engaging plot which is wrong it's not totally (laughs) wrong um he's so good at this and i like i just want to point out like no matter like there has not been a bendis comic where i have not at least been like oh but it's like a really good quick read <laughs> and i don't want to say like a quick read means that it's a good read but like i think he is very good on a macro scale of just like getting a hook clear stakes and like moving the story through those stakes i think like all my complaints are generally like on a micro scale with him and it's like aesthetic stuff but like he is pretty unrivaled when it comes to like consistently having comics that are like I, I don't know, like, very good at, like, plotting and pacing. Um, yeah. I'm always, like, yeah. I, I'm never dreading a Bendis book, right? i This, say that, this era,
0: this era especially, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. These, yeah. The books move. They move, yeah. and you kind of, even if you're, like, y- you want to get through them, or you're just pulled through them regardless. <laughs> like, no, if, I was pulled through And,
1: like, I didn't yeah. have to read all 28 here. Like, I definitely, I didn't feel like I would be missing something. I would be, like, yeah, well, I'll just read a wiki synopsis or something, but uh no, I wanted to and I didn't regret it. Like okay. I had a good time reading all twenty eight. Yeah. My I, didn't, I hadn't realized uh, it
2: was uh, as case of the wick as it is, with yeah, like very yeah, separate arcs, arcs with know. her investigating, which like well definitely makes sense for what kind of character she is. She's a private invest- investigator, like that makes sense. But I guess in my mind, just because of the max of it all it I imagined it more being like one whole of a king story, mm-hmm. uh, but also also like before I saw it on the on our on our documents, I didn't know it was like twenty eight issues i I thought it was <laughs> m- way shorter just because like once again, the max of it all, I thought it was like kind of a mini series kind of things, and it's not mm-hmm. that at all mm-hmm. uh but yeah, like i i that also had the consequence of me being impressed by how well it keeps up its initial premise for like twenty eight issue because I mm-hmm. feel like it could very easily get tiring. And I think, like, the the more juvenile parts of the casting uh, of it all and that kind of stuff did get tiring at some points to me, but, like, the cent- the central conflicts and character stuff and everything, just, he kept going through the whole thing, and I think that's, like, that worked pretty really well.
1: Especially in comparison to someone like Sean Phillips. Or not Sean Phillips, Ed Brubaker. Um you know, like, yeah. uh, Charlotte, we just read Sleeper. Did you think of Sleeper at all when we were reading this? Because I was like, Ooh, Sleeper was on my mind comparison. here. And I actually think Sleeper is, like, a slightly more successful version of of the tone that this is going for. I think, yeah. like, lands tonally much better in, like... Here's the thing, is despite the, like, the swear being very swear-heavy and having some, like, adult content, it never feels nasty. And I think that's something that, Bendis misses from his, like, noir wow. signifiers. The purple man stuff. I don't even think that is. I don't. I think that still holds its punches a little bit. And I don't... I'm not saying I want... Mm, <laughs> I don't trust gross. Bendis to, like... It is, but I think you do a lot of the heavy lifting there. I think... And I don't... I usually do. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I just think that Bendis, like, doesn't quite get that like in these you know the noir books that he's referencing here in the noir movies and he's referencing the heroes the protagonists are often selfish nasty people and you never get that from jessica jones um she's weirdly good here and i think that Mm. (laughs) that kind of clashes a little bit with like how she's characterized but she continually goes out of her way to help rick jones to help the spider woman to help um, like the Cap- Captain America in the first arc, like she really she never
2: steals money from JJJ to like give back to an AIDS old like, warden, AIDS like an and like hope... yeah,
1: yeah. It's I mean that's fine. Like I'm not I'm not really cr- no no, yeah, no but it, it's a tonal clash with I I just don't think that Bendis really like has it in it. Like he's a little bit too much of a weenie. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and I don't I don't mean that fully pejoratively. Like ultimate spider-man oh. is a, a, a bit of a weenie version comic. Of that? <laughs> yeah. yeah well I, I just mean like ultimate spider-man you know i would also be like yeah it's you know it's not a like mean tough comic and it doesn't have to be like ultimate spider-man is
0: for weenies and i'm fine with
1: that right yeah and it's fine like it's a weenie's comic and it succeeds at being a weenies comic. this like doesn't break free of that and i think it kind mm. of needs to to be more successful with the like style that he is bringing forth here or at least to like be consistent because like jessica jones like feels like i have a hard time getting a grasp on who this character is because of her actions and the tone of her like thoughts and dialogue don't fully match up like she never really does something nasty to luke cage or scott lang right and that's like the big arena where she's really messy is if anything
2: yeah if anything i say like the way they react to like her t- talking or not talking about her past and her trauma. I feel like that hasn't aged that well because the Scott and Luke often end up like, at least in my reading, feeling like
1: oh, they're the a-holes in this situation. Oh, sure. never but, like, feels like
2: that's intentional
1: from yeah, the comic. Yeah, yeah I mean, that the trauma stuff, I, I think all that stuff kind of lands pretty thuddingly in the like, Yeah, uh, boy, the, the moment where Scott <laughs> she goes on a first date with Scott Lang and she order- orders a double vodka on the rocks and he just says, how about you don't? <laughs> and then she's like excuse me and then they have a wonderful first date (laughs) and like (laughs) it's so and then she's like at the end she's like i was mad it was kind of rude but i'm glad you did it like oh boy that i can't believe (laughs) that that whole thing i i don't know there's just something I, i feel like there's kind of an edge lacking here and there's kind of a cynicism missing or like a darkness missing from this Um, even with the purple man stuff it doesn't feel but then again I'm not like yeah I really wish we had seen that you know hardcore sexual assault for eight months like I don't want that's not what I like want from this book necessarily but I see
0: but but you you're kind of jumping the gun because you're talking about the missing darkness whereas I think most synopses or summarizations of this would be talking entirely about the darkness here (laughs) Like, but I a, think like maybe like, that is your reading, to, but like, I think a majority for... of readers reading will be contextually in the Marvel universe. Sure, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. some of the but... darkest stuff that exists at the time. Yeah, but that's like sets. saying
1: like you know the the end of Avengers and or Infinity War is one of the most traumatizing pieces of cinema <laughs> in existence. <laughs> it's like wow. well, I feel like to me, to Elias
2: movies. is ruder, but I feel like Daredevil is. Darker, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I think I he, agree. B- that Ben is Daredevil is uh, darker and has more of an edge than Elias. Yeah, Th- like yeah. specifically the character of Matt Murdock, Daredevil has yeah. more of an edge than Jessica Jones does. I think the yeah, violence. There there's been a lot more work himself.
0: done. Yeah, crafting Matt Murdock. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like but character specifically in Bendis' portrayal by of the character, it, it's true. Yes.
2: I was
1: I was thinking that because I was like he's so he's so locked in to who Daredevil is, but he does have the benefit of building off of yeah you know 40 same, years of Daredevil. Frank so like Miller it, it's didn't not write a
0: jessica jones for right know, dozens yeah. of issues right um that does make you know they're they're him and gatos are finding their way and, and I, uh with this character as well i think
1: i think there's something intentional to the way that jessica jones is slightly anonymous um like because there was there's a long run of this for like the first six or seven issues where i was like what is her character design she's just like a White face, brown hair <laughs> is like how I would describe Jessica Jones. And I can't like, she has no other look to her. But I think that, I think that's intentional. I don't know if it works. I don't know if it's effective to have her just be like, look like any other schmo kind of
0: like. I mean, it's very purposeful being, yes, especially definitely the backdrop yeah. of the Mark Bagley drawn jewel version yeah. of the and character. Yeah, and it's definitely like purple she's hair a super and flashy bright white her. costume. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I don't think it's an accident. So, all right, since I have to be the mature voice of positivity here around. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think the context of when this book comes out and kind of everything around it, I, I think this matters a ton with Bendis's early works just in general, right? Like, cause I, I think Bendis takes a lot of undue criticism uh, on a broad, like because of the works really faded towards the end of the Marvel run. You know, he, he stays around too long and the DC stuff hasn't really worked out. You know, the writers in a different phase of his career, um, but this early two thousand stuff, contextually compared to everything around it, I mean, you, like, there's a reason Bendis took off as a superstar. Um, yeah. And it's because, you know, I mean, stack these up against anything else that is coming out. In they move so much just, faster. Just, just yeah, yeah, yeah it, no, that's it, the, it, the playground Marvel. they're okay. playing in. That's okay. the okay. playground just, they're playing in. I'm not saying it's the best okay. book of the year, 2003. Because um,
1: even at DC, like, Sleeper's coming out the same year, and I think Sleeper is like... I mean,
0: I like this a lot more than Sleeper. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. in terms of you know tonally trying but sleeper also has the benefit of being the weird wildstorm wild, sto- wild storm, you know, sort of sect of things. And, uh and, and Phillips can take more chances it's there tough. than it's traditionally tougher are to read. taken it's in not, Marvel Comics. It's not winning as big of an audience.
1: Like it's definitely not trying to be a big mainstream book the way this is. So yeah, it's a bit of a sleeper
0: hit. Um yeah. I, I think <laughs> Alias is so much more effective at creating a new character that is a part of the legacy and the landscape of Marvel Comics, of setting the stage for one of the best Marvel Netflix shows, um, which was or actually my favorite, well, which is Jessica Jones, right? And just all the DNA is right here in these comics. I, one yeah. season of one of the best Netflix shows.
2: Yeah, I'd like you... The third season came
1: back I've never around, everybody. The third season came back i never seen any of it.
0: I, gotta, I should watch The second games. season is, is brutal. I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. I would like an oral history on what happened to the second season of Jessica Jones, truly. Uh, but anyway, credit where it's due. Bendis and Gatos, again, contextually, if you're comparing it to what's happening in Marvel, this book really stands out. It does. Um, And I think warts and all, you know, I think to your point, Charlotte, about I'd forgotten, you know, the case of the week stuff. I actually think that's very effective because it it very it's very easy to sort of a few years go by after reading this. And you're like, oh, yeah, Jessica Jones, like, you know, it's kind of just the Purple Man story. Right. And it's like, actually, that's really saved just for the end. Yeah, I was really you know, surprised really safe at how much the
1: end. that's just the tiny little,
0: like, cap to this whole thing. It's like four issues, maybe. I had also yeah. forgotten yeah. how flipping weird the Purple Man story is. Um, because, obviously, the Netflix totally sanded off the comics edges of this. But, like, so we're beating around the bush. But, I mean, spoilers here if you don't know the story. But, you know, the Purple Man, his ability is through pheromones in his skin. He can basically take over anyone and make them do whatever he wants just by saying something. Um, and he does that to Jessica, but like he enslaves her. You know, he, he traps her and makes her his, you know, sex slave, essentially. Um and the Bendis interpretation of this character is that he is a vicious repeat um, you know, sexual criminal or he's sex a rapist, criminal. Right? Um, like... yeah, a rapist, yes, please. Jeez, yeah. oh, Louise. Can't think of the word. Um, but he's also I... a murderer well, and he's just an a- like the absolute most monstrous version of these powers right because right, yeah, otherwise yeah, the purple yeah. man's a joke you know he's, he's historically been just a guy daredevil punches after breaking free from the, there's his a will.
1: little and, bit of like the wink towards this kind of stuff even in those early daredevil comics like he definitely is bringing like girls up to his hotel
0: room jeff, uh, to, jeff Lowe know? picks up on that too in daredevil yellow because there's yeah. a there's a scene there as well um yeah Which, it, Venice isn't the first to think of it yeah you're yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah oh no but no, he, but like but he definitely. leans into it Hard, you know, certainly. yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it and this whole I think think yeah. He makes it this whole thing, and I think in some ways it's overdone and overwrought. Um, Bendis writes the word horror too many times, <laughs> put that, he writes a lot of words out there. too many times, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, it is, it's all in a, a very ham fisted but but you know, kind of new take on this character. The part that I had totally forgotten was when Jessica, you know, she's so she's trying to overcome, she finally was able to get free of the purple man not really through any of her own doing right and uh, and but she has this horrible assault in her past from this super criminal he's in prison she goes to confront him because there's a, a group of other victims who want that and when he's talking to her he's like all of a sudden he's like breaking the fourth wall he's like deadpool um he like he knows he's in a comic book he's descri- he's describing the criticisms that have been applied to alias clearly commentary on fan community response and those sorts of things. You know, Bendis is talking directly to the readers and that sort of thing. I had forgotten all of that. It's a very strange and um, I don't want to say ineffective, but also like
1: yeah, I'd kind of pointless. Like I
0: don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it's like he read a Morrison do comic anything. and was like, oh, I could do
1: that. I could try yeah, that. But it's and it's, like, it's no, just so not the point and it doesn't resolve
0: yeah. in anything. Yeah. Um, other than being there and being strange. I like the strangeness of it. I like the ambition of it, but I don't think there was ever an endgame in sight. You know? And to what purpose besides just
1: saying, like, isn't it weird that somebody in a comic is saying they're in a comic? Like, there's no larger, larger, yeah, like, textual purpose to having this meta-text thing. And I think... Who maybe this is going to be a bit blasphemous, but uh, here we go.
2: Um, I think the specific Purple Man stuff at the end of going all, breaking the fourth wall, very Deadpool, or even like very, like t- 10 years from now, that's going to be very close to like stuff Kieran Gillen and Al Ewing are going to do with Loki, Young Avengers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I Everybody think Everybody take a here- drink. Charlotte got in a Loki reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think here it feels very we are trying to to play some formalistic games and playing with, uh, we know, like some characters know they're in a fictional medium, stuff like that. And he also does that with bringing in Mark Bagley to do the flashbacks of Jessica Jones and everything, like playing with the uh, more classic style of Spur Stories for that, and then going back to a imitating Steve Ditko style and tying her origins and her childhood to Peter Parker's childhood. Yeah, And all of that... No, I'd rather say none of that works for me. Yeah. I really dislike oh. all of those choices for the character.
1: I'm okay. Here, I'll, I'll put my, my <laughs> you flag. You too. You two are. I'm gonna put my there. flag halfway between. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think the change in style, specifically the Bagley switch, when yeah. Bagley comes in to draw her like bagging on like Bagley. Battle. No, I think it's great. I think that I think that's the oh. inspired choice. <laughs> Giving Bagley, Bagley. back. Yeah. <laughs> to have Bagley of all people, I think, is really good. Because he is so like otherworldly, kind of, and so like, it, it's so cartoonish. I think it's it delineates.
0: A great we are in a superhero comic now, right? Very yeah. clearly. I think it's a really I good,
1: think, smart choice. So, I think the Peter yeah. Parker thing. I don't mind the style of like. I think actually, and I think that's Gatos himself just doing a Steve Dicko style. I like um, that. Yeah, which is very impressive yeah. to be able to switch styles. The origin feels like a joke origin to me. Like I couldn't. I thought we were in a. Like a parody for a while. And then even when it happened, I was like, Oh no, this is just her real origin that like a gas tank burst into her car as her car flipped over and killed her family and like it f- I guess it's trying to go That's straight funny that, to like, you, classic 60- sixty <laughs> that classic sixties thing. I mean it's a little slapstick for sure. <laughs> right? Like Well, it's very
0: much We've seen like this happen so many times. American it's been 40 American lampoon's
1: vacation, like the kids are arguing in the back, the dad veers into a
0: truck, and then the gas
1: tank <laughs> bursts in the back seat, and everyone yeah. dies. Well,
0: but at the um, same time, that is the traditional comic superhero origin, right? Like sure, is, I know. It I absolutely guess just... mirrors those. It's not yeah. trying to reinvent it. Yeah, I don't it's, think it it's playing with the, fully trope. with the
3: Yeah,
2: so just to clarify, I think I, in a vacuum, I think the stylistic and like formal choices are interesting. I just think I just think they're backing up story choices that I don't care for, um, and I think I don't know. It kind of feels like he just read Sentry and tried to insert that into Jessica Jones, and I don't think it works. Oh, sure. It is comparable. Yeah, it yeah, it's comparable. That's a, that's a good point. That's that's I how it felt because it. it's the and
0: idea here is Jessica has been a part of the Marvel universe this whole time. Mm-hmm. She went to high school with Peter Parker. She was such a wallflower. That she had a crush on Peter Parker, the, the, the original wallflower wallflower. flower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know, so she's and then she's in a you know car accident with her family, and that's she goes into a coma, and that's where her powers come from. Is you know they run into the the classic radioactive materials. Um, I think yeah, it's, a, like, classic, it feels like there's it's a, a classic. It's a classic throwback to six. Well, like it's a they, bit. Tong- sh- it's definitely a bit tongue in cheek in terms of like. Yeah, we're just- older and we're more modern now, and we know how silly some of this stuff feels. But it is. I mean, that's how Daredevil got his powers, basically. <laughs> like, it's well, the same I know, thing. but like, yeah, I
1: guess to switch back to that old style, it does just make the whole thing feel silly in a way that the rest of the book isn't, right? And
2: unreal. I think, like, 4th yeah. century, there's a strength to that feeling of unreality, of not knowing what is true or not. It's Here, just like, yeah. but you still have to tell a story. Like, the character is still real and it's still a part of that universe. And, like, going back to that changing the styles and trying to insert her into to those stories that we've already seen just feels very unreal. And, like, so you, you I don't. I, I had a tough time, like, so believing in it.
0: I won't fight either of you on the, the specifics of the origin. Yeah. Maybe being a, a bridge too far in terms of, like, well, we di- I kind of want to play with this. Whereas I think the Bagley-drawn jewel secret origins detailing the trauma and act- what actually happened with the purple man i think those work yeah. in terms of like that actually fails a part of the story and i think are, is effective and then the creative choice doubles down on it whereas yeah the the peter parker stuff enjoying it like a 60s do. comic yeah. does feel yeah. like that's a, that's a bit too lucille bluth winking at you yeah um you know like it's <laughs> and, it, and, and i don't know that it adds a heck of a lot other than being easter egg candy right i mean i yes i'm, I'm not going to fight too hard on that yeah. i think the bagley stuff does work though yeah totally I I, yeah. I I think that's a great choice
2: and i think like if that had been the main tie-in to the marvel universe like that's when she meets the other superheroes is when she's sent by the peppermint to to confront them and then later they just like apologize and say they they react to to ashley and didn't help her like that would have been fine and maybe a bit cleaner to me That's like that's she did the spirit thing on her own and the main thing she was confronted to was the purple guy and, like, was sent to fight the, fight the Avengers. And then she was like, well, I'm not doing this. I'm giving up. I feel like that's that's a bit cleaner. Because, like, yeah. the specific Peter Parker thing is why there's no reason for Peter Parker to be a part of this story. Except we know who he is and he's one of the most, superheroes, m- most famous sure. superhero, yeah. superheroes we know. Like, yeah. he... I mean, the thing where she's about to go up to him and
0: answers. tell her how she feels right as he gets his spider bite, you know, yeah. and is distracted by it. It's it's very tongue in cheek. I mean, it's yeah. it's definitely. I don't know. It's all just trying to be. They just I think fun. It,
1: it pretty. I mean. Yeah, but that's just not the tone of this book at all. Like it feels.
0: That's why I think it feels. Well, especially as it's, as it's unreal, you know because like, it's happening in the midst of of unveiling her her trauma. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. The placement. But to is me, it feels I, closer yeah. to like,
2: that Deadpool issue when he goes back in time
1: and fights Kraven and over Peter Parker's life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, it feels yeah, like yeah. to me yeah it's like this book is not satire until this issue <laughs> and then it's like a little satire um yeah you know what i don't have that big of a problem with it like i i agree actually with what child saying but i'm not that fussed by it yeah uh you know i, I just thought of a good comparison to like because i was like he, bendis does i think his villains like he has a hard time expressing villainy outside of like the violence i think but like with the purple man i the 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 tone of how the purple man conducts himself is like nasty but it does really like leave you to fill in the blanks i was just thinking of a comparison to this that's actually a one-to-one comparison of neil gaiman sandman number six with dr destiny in the diner oh the diner yeah kind of the exact same thing someone who just has absolute power over other people's emotions that i think does the same exact thing so much better and darker and meaner and nastier and like yeah yeah and more and kind of gets at the like cruel arbitrary like thoughtlessness of this guy who's just like who sees other people as playthings because i never really like there's not that much daylight between um how purple man acts and how like any random other bendis ultimate spider man villain acts like how they yell and how they're just kind of like a mad angry man with an ego i guess you know so like Oh, I, I think I don't think that's true. At least in those flashbacks, you know the way he like talks to Jessica Jones. I don't know. Like I, I don't get much more like nuance in that character. Um, but I don't, I don't think Mendes could do a twenty-four hour diner, you know, issue. Nor I think... would I want him to. Honestly. Well, no, because I mean, you know, you get into <laughs> the like the darkest things he says are uh, I don't know the most edgy things he says are usually like when he's just engaging in some light misogyny or homophobia or uh ableism which uh can we got to get to jay jonah jameson please can i divert us there for just a second well let me
0: let me finish (laughs) okay purple man i okay i get what you're saying in terms of bendis sort of lacking the cruelty um the harsh edges to really make the purple man this like like um i don't know kind of egregious I don't, he is an egregious monster, but, like, like a non-superhero monster, I guess is the sure. thing. Is, like, yeah, Bendis yeah, is still, yeah, yeah. especially by the end of this, very much writing superhero comics, um, not writing sort of a more I – I, I'm struggling with the words. But, like, I get what you're saying in terms of the Purple Man not – like, because if he was detailing – if he was more specific or, or grosser, right, um, this book would – flipping fall apart, uh because he I don't think he could pull that off. I think, I think some
1: like tactically placed details would be you know, like but the thing is they're, they're also being a
0: little careful. Like they're also being yeah. a little careful not to show I don't know, it's kinda of trying to have a cake too like they're not showing Jessica strip. Like they're not yeah. showing not her mean. be sexually assaulted. They're teasing at it and coming very close to the line. I think it's they make the right call in not doing that. But then it is also like, I mean, they're they're also like, you know, they're tantalizing the young readers at the same time. So there's, I can see critiques either way with that. I just think Zach, like, the specificity that you're like Neil Gaiman's The Diner Diner, for example, Gaiman gets specific and without being and it's, like it's, it's a scarier, or, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in basically every way, but it's also like, I don't know. That's the tone of that comic, and if that was all of a sudden happening here with the Purple Man in this superhero comic, it would actually be truly jarring you know uh yeah maybe that i don't know maybe some readers would love that but i I actually feel like then people would be like this book is gross i mean it would take someone (laughs) you know who like i said like would be able to deploy that very
1: tactfully and tactically to like like uh, something i kind of think's weird is that like jessica jones is like it's certainly a traumatic like eight months as his prisoner watching him do god knows what the thing is like we don't Get the feeling that, like, like he kind of says he he would just pull up college girls from the street, right? And make her watch, Jessica Jones' watch. But then, like, that is just kind of tossed to the side. And it's just, like, yeah, eight months of him just sexually assaulting random women. That, like, is almost like a side detail in Jessica's, like, trauma here, I guess? I I, I don't know. Like, it just feels a little underbaked. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh like that that's kind of my issue it's a little like i i I guess i can't like i can't tell him how to have written this (laughs) right but like i feel like there's some line he could walk to like sell the darkness of this more without it being like seeming exploitative or like leering right
0: i mean let's Um, also let's also you know like this book opens with jessica jones and luke cage hooking up and so i i think this book is constantly working against the male gaze um but also endure, but also embracing it you know what i mean by nature of it being an all-male creative team um and i think some of that is i i they're they're probably doing the best they can but i think if they were going to do more it would be a mistake uh because they don't yeah. have the yeah. equipment yeah. to do it better Yeah, I agree. agree So I I guess that's the thing is like, I don't wish it was more. I hear what you're saying in terms of like, (laughs) yeah, well, I I wish it was. It's Marvel Max. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a super, it's a Marvel superhero comic. It's not, it doesn't necessarily transcend those boundaries, I guess is maybe the thing.
2: And I feel like it's sold in her, like, her fear, like her. Sheer panic mm, when mm-hmm. she learns he totally. he he's out like that. I feel like that's the part that tells it more than anything. He actually, we actually see him doing right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I feel like the the less we actually know about what happened during these eight months, the more effective it is to me. Yes, yes. Yeah, like yeah. it's just I all totally left to agree. the imagination. Yeah. you like just the idea of being a spectator in your own body for eight months, and yeah, that's like that's the most horrifying it can
1: be. Yeah, yeah, her descriptions of like the ways that you know i I can't remember who it is who's trying to comfort her by being like well you know it wasn't your fault like you didn't do it and she's like you can't understand what it's like to have these thoughts be in your head and they feel like they're indistinguishable from your own thoughts like you can't yeah just say oh it wasn't me because they are your thoughts and they're even stronger than your thoughts because there's a purity to them that makes them really strong i think all that's really like powerful you know Mm because yeah like i agree i think he actually really sells the like the trauma that she experiences like her internal feeling about it rather than like the externality externalities of it. There's Um, also a bit of a mess
0: to this because you have, you know, the, we know this character and we've seen the purple man and you always have the male heroes, Daredevil and Luke Cage. They just tough it out and punch the purple man in the face. Right. And what they have to do is sell. How did Jessica get trapped in this then? Right. Um, Daredevil's never Purple Man's prisoner for eight months, right? So, like, I think there's a mess to that, and mm, I, think, I that's think that's where know. the that's where the work going into Jessica's very young, and she would lost her family, and she's just trying out these powers and trying to do good. And I, you have to, you have to kind of create a weakness to make it work, and then you have to have her coming out the other side, traumatized, but but overcoming that. I I don't know that's perfectly balanced, but I think that's part of the challenge here.
1: You know what? Actually, I think does a better job of this exact thing of kind of the like you know like a cruel man holding a woman in you know like hostage through like abuse and manipulation in this comic is the whatever that spider girl J. jones and jameson maddie franklin stuff yeah i actually i was just thinking about this i think that works really well and i actually think that's one of the darker better sold bits of this comic especially when jessica jones I don't know what the hell's going on with the Madam Web stuff. I think that is actually kind of ridiculous and one of the like the worst little bits in this comic. But when she that's goes some weird the... Spider continuity. <laughs> getting yeah, that doesn't really add out. much for Jessica Jones to be like worried that she's going to kill Spider Girl when she goes to the club or vice versa, and then it never really comes to be. I don't, I don't know what that ad ended up adding eventually. Madam Anyways, Web is a
0: but... terrible
1: uh, precog. I just yeah, to apparently. It. But I really like like her going into the club. That felt like mean and desperate and just so sad and then the, when they like reveal that they're like plucking flesh out of her shoulder and she's yeah, got this gross. like gaping wound i think that is actually a little bit of a level of like nastiness and darkness that befits the like the noir trappings that he's uh working yep. in here because that is like oh yeah like there's this dark underbelly here and it is like worse than you could imagine because it is worse than what i had imagined i assume they were you know they just had her strung out on drugs, and they do, but it's also said that they can, like, peel at her body to smoke it and become superpowered themselves. That that stuff really worked. Um, so, yeah, I guess he can do it. Because <laughs> he does it right there. I think all that works really well. Um, his superpower, Bendis' superpower, I think is building tension with the characters, at least character-wise. I think he can do the macro-plotting stuff really well. And then he does the, like, tension-building of, like, this character is in a bind uh, emotionally and their anxiety and like the pressure building on them because it's one of the best things he does in ultimate spider-man both with peter and miles and i think he does it really well with jessica here i'm glad like charlotte pointed that out uh can we talk about j jonah jameson please (laughs) yeah go for it Uh, i feel like he did a decent job with j jonah jameson when he pops up in daredevil and then he loses that entirely and he tries to make like a J. Jonah Jameson for the modern age, <laughs> which yeah. means that J. Jonah Jameson just turns into like a weird misogynist. Um but also not. Like he tries to redeem him in the issue after that by having J. Jonah Jameson's wife like stand up for him. But at one point, and I sent this to both of you, so this is not news to you, he's offering Jay Jessica Jones a job and she's like hibbing and hung, and he goes, Listen, I don't have time to change your tampons for you. I need an answer. It's the worst thing I've ever read in a Marvel comic. <laughs> it's just, yeah. like, it's yeah. the and then uh, I do really like this. Uh, Jessica Jones says, "Well, these kind of investigations are rather unique." And JJJ says, "Don't toss my salad." How much are we talking? <laughs> Which is <laughs> really <laughs> you know funny because one hundred percent he didn't know what that means. Uh, yeah, that
0: that one's confusing. I gotta say, like, what <laughs> is, there's happen. a lot to there's a lot to try to like solve about that yeah respect. it's too bad
1: we couldn't actually because that was all just in like dialogue after the fact almost like a screenplay so what you couldn't see is that jessica jones was like sneaking up behind jjj <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, that's like an aside him. yeah yeah. <laughs> yes, he's right. like as an aside don't toss my salad yeah. now let's continue our conversation i mean um, <laughs> yeah.
1: i keep looking up how old bendis was in this era <laughs> like I keep yeah, sure. reminding myself because i'm like see, is, is he like 55 because he just sometimes oh, no. just seems like such no a grouchy old man and he puts it in all his characters right like spider-man sometimes has this but like jessica jones goes to a nightclub and it just is a normal nightclub and she's just like no wonder i never leave my apartment society is doomed and i'm like it's just a nightclub <laughs> what <are> you, <laughs> what's wrong with you yeah uh, anyway um I, you know what? Good comic. I, you know, we fuss about oh, it. yeah? talk about it. Oh, yeah? I really... I know. I know this is, like, the Zach joke, but, like, it's a really... I wrote tons of notes for this, and I think, like, it warrants that. I think there's a lot going on here. I think Bendis, like... I'm always glad to see a Bendis comic. I never unequivocally love a Bendis comic, but I always enjoy them, and I always think he's doing, you know, like, something interesting. And, you know what? He's got a good ear for, like, um, like, building up a character and, like pushing them in new directions. And it's never big flashy stuff. You know, it's never like the Hickman totally or ewing on Immortal Hulk. It's never like a total retool of the character. But I think like like just on small personal scale stuff. I think he always pushes characters in like good, interesting directions. Or almost always. Well
0: I think too, like one of one of Bennis's skills is setting up artists he's working with, but also like future creators. Um like, oh, he leaves yeah, totally, he leaves totally. things behind that put you in a better position. Um, mm-hmm. And that's true for, like, the whole Marvel universe. Because, uh, obvi- like, Jessica Jones and then Miles Morales, of course. And there are other smaller examples. But, I mean, those two, it is, like, yeah, I don't know. You've you said this a few times yeah. in the past, Zach, where it's, like, you know, I'd, the thing I'd like most is to see, some, you know, what somebody else could do with this. Like, Jessica Jones, like, that's what you get um, yeah. with, like, the Netflix series. And that's what creators still have the potential to tap into. And that's a huge add frankly um it's not the intent at the time you know bendis but like bendis is the jessica jones writer until you know he moves on right but it's it's you know i i think that does say a lot there's not a lot of creators who do that frankly yeah that's that's an interesting Um, point
1: compared i just immediately thought of like miller in ultimate universe who like really leaves it like you have to just clash with what he wrote if
0: you want to take his stuff in a new direction right like well, Morrison, really? Morrison does that in a lot of ways, too. You know, sure. Morrison yeah. burns the building down on X-Men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, good luck yeah. solving that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, not not that there's anything wrong with, like, taking the big swings, but it is interesting to think of someone who, like, moves the character along without, you know, and leaves the door open for the next guy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've actually, like, come to appreciate Bendis more, like, the more I talk about him. <laughs> you know, like despite the critiques uh i feel like i've been able to look past like a lot of the aesthetic arguments and like critiques i have to like what he is really good at and then i think he d- does deserve his like title as being you know one of the best comic writers of this era um so I, really, yeah. I i do believe that oh wait we gotta talk about gatos a little bit who does very little work outside of this i think this was their first major work um and uh what do you two think <laughs> Before I say anything, <laughs> oh, uh, <wow>. <laughs>
2: um, I mean, I think it's really good. It's <laughs> it's weird that uh, the purple man compliments it directly at the end. Like he directly talks about the art. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think the art is b- gets stronger throughout. I'd say. Yeah. I agree um, with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think by the end, it's like it feels so good and natural that you forget maybe some of the more awkward stuff at the beginning um there's definitely some i mean y- you sent some some pictures on our discussion zach of some weird face syndrome uh at the beginning that i think gets cleaner and cleaner throughout
1: i agree i agree, um, I agree. Yeah, it, w- yeah, it was really I, I early on I there was really a few good. of those like yeah oh my god like what is this weird surreal <laughs> like lynchian face leering out at the camera but yeah. yeah dave what about you
0: oh i have i have definitely no complaints um I, I like Gatos's style. I think it fits giving this book a unique vibe. I think it, it yeah. the, sh- the use of shadow uh, within the repetition um I do think is effective for the sort of noirish PI vibes that it goes for at times. Um and then we see Gatos, you know, it's like oh yeah, they they can be a little more versatile as this expands to the Purple Man superhero stuff at the end of it. Um this is definitely, you know, probably m- like most severely where Bendis Gets the reputation for talking head comics um because definitely gatos you know will do sequences of you know just jessica jones nine different heads and not a ton of facial expression changing uh that that to me when it's used to establish tone and kind of with purpose doesn't bother me because i like reading bendis's dialogue in these books um i think there are moments in books where that would not work uh and and they're not i don't know it, it there aren't a ton of comics necessarily employing that. It's, there's definitely not a ton of superhero comics, and it definitely does kick off a trend of like some writers really try to emulate that. Um, you know, look at like I don't know like a DC book like Heroes in Crisis, right? And Tom King's Nine Panels, right? Um, like books that just try to have lots of conversation and dialogue. I think here it generally works. Uh so I d I don't there's nothing I dislike about it, I guess I'll say. Um I think there's there's a style and an idiosyncratic nature to it that you know, again, because you have a creative team that is consistent. Yeah. Uh, just, this is it, right? Rhythm, this is what this book sure. is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's true. And I definitely like stop. See, the thing is, and, and I you, you've you pointed this out and I think you've kind of softened me on this. It's really tough to be Bendis' artist. <laughs> I think with the amount of dialogue yeah. that he writes and the amount of mm-hmm. like chit chat between characters in a room he writes. Mm-hmm. So like, I want to give lots of leeway here, but I think that, the best thing i can say is the facial expressions that he gives to the characters are neutral to me inoffensive <laughs> but you know it is a bummer when you have a care a book that has so many people looking at each other and having expressions at each other where that doesn't convey more than just what's written on the page and i rarely mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. more I, I rarely get insight into what you know she's saying one thing but like look at her face you know it it Let's add a tone to what she's saying through her expression, right? Um, and you don't get that. And oftentimes I am flummoxed by, like, the looks people get. Like, sometimes it will be three panels and it will be, like, Jessica gives Luke Cage a look. He gives a look back. She gives a look back. And I'll be like, oh, I have no idea what that... <laughs> what did that convey? Yeah. No yeah. clue. No, it, like, like, they're just... In... They're kind of squinting at each other. And they don't know yeah. what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. There's
2: yeah. a whole, like, integration, interrogation scene at the beginning uh, with a cup.
1: Oh boy, that's bad.
2: <laughs> and and like the cup is just smiling throughout, yeah. and just like asking questions about Jess's life as a superhero and everything. And throughout, I'm like, just oh, is he just like he's smiling all the time? So is he just like a big superhero nerd that just has questions about that? Because that's that's what the art feels like. But then later, like. Everyone that talks about that conversation is like, oh, he was a real a-hole and just like trying to to push her to admitting and everything. It's like, that's not what the art conveyed at all. Like that's, he would just have the same smiling, nice face throughout. Um, well, it, it I kind of... It didn't I change, didn't fit the... He, I think he was, was just being said.
1: cocky. I actually kind of got in that, that he was just like putting on a condescending, cocky attitude to like infuriate her intentionally. Yeah. So I actually kind of saw what was going on there, but it didn't really change besides like... A big like shit eating grin. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Still good out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I don't like have a big complaint about it. I don't think yeah. uh I'd be curious to see how Gatos does in a book that does not require him to draw, you know <laughs>
0: Well the only other five faces per page. Yeah, he does like six <laughs> um, issues um, Pearl. of the
1: Manhunter series okay. for DC and then I don't think he does
0: he did many more comics after that. Um, yeah, I don't know what the, what Gatos' career looks like. A lot of works with Bendis. I mean, that is, you know, that is a thing that actually I really like about Bendis and have come to appreciate is because, you know, he drew his own comics, right? With Jinx, he has a real appreciation for, for art and a good sense. Like like the artists that work with Bendis seem to really like working with Bendis and they keep working with him, you know, and a lot of like Alex Malief, Michael Gatos, David Mack, right? All these creative collaborations, um, that are pretty successful but just i don't know you get visuals that are are newish to the Mm -hmm. superhero medium and do add and kind of push it forward um and i definitely appreciate i mean bendis's kind of career at marvel too is like you know talking about the legacy of characters but there's also a legacy of like creators you know it's kind of like a like a sports like coaching tree where it's like if you look at it and you're like look at all these connections right look at all these these people who came in because of him and were advanced you know in ways because he helped and things like that mm-hmm. um i think there's real real positive gains there all right
1: yeah. Yeah. oh wait so one more thing. any final one thoughts more. any big thoughts yeah, one... on <laughs> alias <laughs> um bendis's mild casual homophobia uh is yeah so funny to me <laughs> like because oh, yeah. it well it just reads as, like he's 35 at this point somewhere around there 33 35 so but it does really read as like it's supposed to just be i think it's just supposed to be read as like edginess you know yeah. like somebody who's gritty but like he's so bad at that kind of an angle because i i really like i mean if you go read sleeper sleeper's a nasty comic and people are tossing slurs out all over the place but it doesn't bother me as much as it does here maybe because because it feels so poorly done i don't know uh, so like uh, jessica jones just casually mentions j jonah jameson's gay boner for spider-man <laughs> i like the chant attack on gay there like as if just saying that he had a boner for spider-man doesn't
0: yeah that's that's super 13 year old yeah yeah
1: um and then also when she's uh bodyguarding for daredevil she's just like yeah i have to walk walk matt murdoch to work in case of any daredevil's butt buddies show up <laughs> but buddy rogues gallery shows up um yeah that that kind of like yeah and i'm like it's just strange because it doesn't really match the character i think that's the like like is this a character who's like casually homophobic because i don't think so i think that kind of clashes with everything we've seen when she takes a stance to protect or like get mad on behalf of yeah but i think know, that's like, language
0: l- i actually do think that's language the character would use I, maybe i don't know it's i guess like I overcompensating just, like, crassness and not thinking about the implications yeah i guess
1: i didn't get Particularly crass, besides that, she says the F word a lot, right? Like, so I didn't get that crassness in other regards, I guess. She uses the, you know, ableist R word and she uses some, like, gay slurs. Uh, not even slurs, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't call a, a gay or a slur, I guess, but um, yeah. <laughs> no, really, I know but. what you mean. No.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's, it's weird and annoying because it's the same, it's in the same coming that there is, like, at, at one point, like a, a teenage couple of two two like teenage girls and like that's never made a joke of or anything. It's like quite the contrary. Like it's supposed to be kind of sweet, and she's like bringing her back to her girlfriend at the end. Like, and but then she's also like throwing out random weird gay jokes and insults, mm-hmm. and it just feels like that's just how Bendis things insult works. That they have to be like
1: oppressive. <laughs> in a way like Bill the Butcher, right? Like he's trying to actually yeah <laughs> that Bill the Butcher thing of like. You know, I support the gay community so much that I get, you know, I get a pass on the slurs. <laughs> like, yeah. I care so little that they're gay that I'm allowed to call them that.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's Even there's, like, not uh, a single, there's not a single, well, I'm probably overstating this, but like a majority of the biggest name comic writers playing in this space who are trying to sort of write in a more adult or or, you know, breaking free from the restrictions of the Comics Code style... Bendis, Brian K. Vaughan, Robert Kirkman, Brubaker, um, they all are super guilty of this, right, in this era. Like, this yeah. is... Yeah, for sure. That doesn't... I'm not saying that makes it great. I'm not saying that excuses it. Uh, but it's not unique to Bendis. I mean, who's uh, who's the sure.
1: first, like, gay writer
0: that they... Or, like, queer writer that they have? That is, like, at, really celebrated?
2: At Marvel, yeah. Uh, I mean, Grant Morrison, but then not rewriting sh- queer comics queer sure. stuff in that yeah. comics yeah, le- morrison, but,
1: uh, yeah morrison morrison um, gillen i guess gillen's coming binary. in pretty
0: soon right yeah a, uh we're, yeah. we're a few years away oh actually um, i think
1: neil is neil gaiman queer I actually kind of think he might be not i, not I do sure. not
0: know anyway i don't know it's, uh, it's a tricky it's a, especially i mean it's a tricky thing too to try to um have that conversation about creators throughout 70s 80s 90s because being out and even talking about it was nowhere near sure, right? Accepted, yeah. right? right so course. there's a lot of that where it's like, yeah. uh, you know, it's maybe it's private to them. I don't know. Yeah, um, you certainly could. We we might have had many, you know,
1: game writers. But
0: uh, I had somebody the other day. I was because I shared a Mailchimp uh, email, and I was, you know, I I just shared, hey, here are the yeah, that's my what my I call emails, comics.
1: My Mailchimps. My Mailchimp. <laughs> and
0: I was like, these are my favorite comics on my list that are by queer creators or have queer I characters in them. That's just good. to sort of share yeah. that. And uh, and uh, somebody on Twitter, it went out, was like, what about Chris Claremont? And I was like, is, is Chris Claremont queer? Like, is that a known thing? Like, and, and it's, I don't want to get into the game of who is or isn't unless you they're, like, it, out and right. talking about it. You sure, know? Like, yeah. that's that, that's just not it is you know, It is tricky. Their business. It becomes, like, a
1: tricky proposition because, like, for sure, you don't want to start, like, f- fan casting somebody as gay or, like, headcanoning yeah. someone as, you know uh <laughs> as queer but then like at the same time boy i don't know it becomes tricky where you're just like well marvel has had you know 40 years before they had a gay writer you can't like, you just kind yeah, of do that. Right, yeah of course right you know yeah um but then again you know you creators. also don't want to use that as a shield against <laughs> the fact that i'm sure they were predominantly straight and if they were queer it was not in an environment where they felt they expressed that you know, yeah yeah for sure so, for sure um yeah there we go. anyway uh cool comics glad we read them um you know what actually slightly bummed that it ended where it did i'll say that like i'm, I'm kind of glad that we've got more daredevil coming up because i got to the end of this and i was like you know what like i could use some more of this so like i'm yeah. sure daredevil will scratch that itch oh it ends on uh, a cool note i should th- this is an interesting place to like end the comic and it will be picked up again but luke cage and jessica jones who have been kind of like on again off again not really dating just kind of hooking up and her whole thing about hooking up we could have gone into it but like it doesn't seem good to me (laughs) her like internalized misogyny about like slut shaming herself um anyway but she's pregnant she finds out she's pregnant uh, at the end, in his Luke cages, and that's like—I uh, guess it's a little bit like Knocked Up. Did he just watch Knocked Up and decide to do that in his comic? That's about the same era, right? When did that movie come out? Two thousand seven, I guess. Knocked Up. I was don't know what this that off. movie is. I have not oh, read it's the, like...
0: uh, the Luke and Jessica comedy <laughs> yeah. version of Knocked Up. <laughs>
1: anyway, it ends with the two of them being like, "I guess maybe we can go out on a date," right? Like, yeah, once they're pregnant, they're three months pregnant together, which is she's uh, with
0: she's. Primarily with Scott Lang through the kind of the back half of this, um, which I am never into. Um, Yeah,
1: it doesn't really work for me ever. None of that. No. Um, I the only part I really liked is when she says that she's pregnant and it's not his. She he's just like, bye, Jessica. (laughs) Yeah. Just leaves. I like, I like the just kind of moment of like, all right, I've had enough. Goodbye. (laughs) He just leaves, and it's not a big scene. He doesn't yell. They don't argue. He just is like, okay, I'm done.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that felt authentic, um, I guess. But
1: I like I like how this ends. I think that's a really nice, like, button to, like, uh, you know, pin on this. At yeah, the end. and we'll see more yeah. of them. Yeah, and I, I kind of know about, like, I knew this relationship is a thing, right? I've seen it in, like, modern stuff. But, um, yeah, it's cool.
2: I dig it, yeah. Uh, I will say, like, yeah, this this is making me excited about reading more Daredevil, but also I will say about uh, Bendis' Avenger stuff, because I think he he knows how to make superheroes into real people and have like real conversations and mm-hmm. just yeah. relationships uh, like i like the uh, jessica jessica meeting uh well other jessica but jessica drew spider woman and like them just beating each other up because they just can't communicate at first um and them both bonding about how the avengers are a-holes so, like that's that's some fun interactions between some some marvel marvel superheroes today um, so i'm excited about him getting to do that like yeah when well, time is with, with, uh, with avengers, avengers.
0: Yeah. it's nice to have yeah. characters not just talking about like being in superhero comics like not just talking yeah. about, you know because like like the whole busiak perez avengers run is you know avengers business and talking avengers business all the time you know and it's just like it's nice to have just like what feel like human conversations Yeah, in carol danvers
1: is the worst friend <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So ba- it continually people are coming up to Jessica and being like, "Oh my god, I heard about your trauma." And she's like, yeah. "What?" And they're just like, "Don't like don't freak out. Don't get hysterical. Carol told me it's fine. Yeah. I'm on your side." And like, oh that happens like four different times where or like uh, Scott and Jessica have a fight and then immediately Carol calls. <laughs> immediately Carol calls her just like I just heard
0: about you and Scott. Can I help? <laughs> like,
1: uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my God, she's so bad. I mean, that I was like. That's I actually Scott's
0: do like the um, the Netflix. I mean, it's not by choice, but using Patsy Walker Hellcat as oh, really? the friend so, instead yeah. of Carol Danvers, uh, <laughs> I actually think works a lot better. Carol always. It, I think. I wonder if the choice with Carol is because she has all this weird trauma comics baggage as well um but they don't necessarily connect over that specifically yeah Uh, Yeah. but yeah it always does just feel a little a little off
1: i I mean i dig i actually kind of think that works i i kind of like the relationship of like that friendship that has that imbalance to it and it's not just this like perfectly in tune friendship there's like attention there and it's kind of like jessica jones like well who else is she gonna hang out with i think she kind of like i've got one friend who supports me and, like, she's really bad at it, but, like, she is my yeah. friend. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty good. Yeah. All right, cool. Any final cool thoughts? Path. Good job. Good job, Bendis and Gatos and whoever else. I think Sinkevich did some inking, as too. Am I, oh, I yeah. think he did, did the sidekick illustrations, didn't is he? That, is that what it was? Oh, doing? for oh, the books?
2: Oh, for the book. I think yeah. that was him. That's cool.
1: Oh, we, we mentioned Maliv does the... Um, oh we didn't read it but in volume two when that little that girl goes missing the teenage girl jessica finds her like collage book and uh, you get you get several pages of that collage and it's all done by malieve because he does that really cool like collage work yeah
0: in in the wait, uh, do uh, you mean david mack i do mean david mack david mack's the collage artist typically and the covers
1: i think i i do mean him i think um let me look (laughs) yes you're right david mac yes yes of course um david mac does that in the afterword of this bendis says that he approached david mac for doing this and he said it was actually kind of an editorial nightmare to line up you know like um bagley coming in for two pages to draw like two pages of this and then Mm. you know mac to do like a handful of things for this issue but not the full issue like it was tough to organize that but it works really well. I think it's, like, it's such a cool idea. I, I love that idea of, like, using different artists for different, like, yeah um, bits of the comic. But the cool thing is Bendis says he approached David Mack and was like, I'd like, you know, a few pages of this, like, teenage girl's, um, like, collage book. And then David Mack just produced the entire book for him. And yeah. He just got <laughs> to like, so they produced it. It's in the trade paperback. The second one, you can go back and see. It's, like, six pages of, like, full collage. And, like, tons of it didn't end up in the comic because there wasn't space for it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. He did. Yeah, five like double page spreads of this collage. Um, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. All right. So one of the yeah. best books you've ever read. Uh, thanks for both of you for the positive feedback on. Yes. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely two interesting reads. Um, definitely two books that are, you know, a cut above right in terms of ambition. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. what they're trying. So I think a good way to, to end 2003. So we'll be back with the next part. It's gonna be 2004, part one. We kick off a new year. Moving along through the 2000s here at a rapid 2004, clip. Part 2004 Part 1 is going to be oh. the conclusion of Runaways and Daredevil, which we just talked cool. about a whole heck cool. of a lot. So those should be good. Uh, and then um, Part 2, we'll tap into what's going on with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, Iron Man, She-Hulk. We got Avengers disassembled in 2004. That's going to be Part 3. Ooh. So we're entering the era of events next year officially, uh, which is going to be a big change for yeah. what happens here on the show music for the show by Disaster Peace support for the show patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear you can find us on social at Compo herald at mymarvelousyear I'm Dave At Charlotte At Zach we'll see you next year see you next year see you next
2: year <laughs>